For the last few months, we've been going over the fundamentals of our faith. And, uh, you know, this is kind of our attempt to lay a foundation of our beliefs. I was hoping that we'd have some flyers in to give to all of you tonight that gives you the 16 fundamentals and kind of gives you a brief explanation, but uh, they weren't able to get them to us until Friday. So we'll have them hopefully next Wednesday night and be able to pass them out and you can take them and kind of read through them and kind of refresh yourself on, uh, on those notes and on some of those things uh, as we talk about what we believe. Sound doctrine is about a solid foundation in your life. We need to be a people who aren't rocked by every wind of doctrine. We need to be a people that when we hear the truth, we can recognize it. And when somebody says something that's not the truth, we can recognize that as well. And that helps us to become solid in how we approach God. It helps us become solid in how we live our life. And it's important at times for us to set aside the teaching of men. Remember the warning of what happened in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing to them because some of them are saying, I'm from, you know, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. They have these different people that they follow. I always get worried when people start tagging other people's names into their faith. Are you following me? My, my faith needs to be about one thing. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible teach me? And I need to be able to separate the traditions, separate the teachings of men, and really rightly look at the Word of God. And so we've been laying some foundation for that over the last few weeks and months, and uh, this will help us even in our life to the full. Now, starting next week, we're going to spend some time on one of the most important things that you need to know to become a self-feeder. And I want to tell you tonight, you will never, ever, ever be the strong Christian, the stable Christian, the inspired Christian, the healthy Christian that you need to be and God would have you to be until you learn how to feed yourself. If the only time you get food is when you come to church, you will find yourself at times longing for more, wanting more. I mean, you walk in here on a Sunday morning, for instance, and we want everybody to be blessed and encouraged, but we've got everything from somebody who doesn't believe in God at all to people who've been living for God for 60, 70 years. And there's all kinds of things going on in the middle of that that, you're, that the, the preacher's aware of. And for you to personally grow, it's got to become really personal with you and your relationship with God. And one of the, I think the best single thing you can begin to do to personally grow is to begin to read the Word of God. This is why we emphasize you daily reading the Word of God. Now, that's a beginning. Uh, just, just getting a basic Bible knowledge by being able to read through the Bible, know the stories, kind of know what's going on in Genesis, know what's going on in Revelation, know what's going on in Matthew, understanding some of these things and seeing Jesus in all of it. Because the whole story is about Jesus. You understand that, don't you? Every bit of it, beginning to end, 
It's about Jesus and what Jesus is going to do for mankind and what he does for mankind. And being able to see that is key. Uh, But there's other things as you grow and you begin to read the Word that will help the Word move from black and white to color. When you just begin to read the Bible, you're just getting the basic story. You're just getting the basic stuff. You're just learning some things. Every now and then something in color pops out at you because God's talking to you. But as you begin to understand more about Scripture and understand how Scripture works and how it all ties together and, and you know, what's going on and what's happening in all those passages and why God is putting that story in the Bible. So, so think about this. John tells us at the end of his book that Jesus did all of these things and more and there probably wouldn't be room enough in libraries to contain it all if it was all written down. So there's all kinds of other things that Jesus did that we don't know about because God didn't deem it important for us to know about it. He's put the stories in the Bible that are important for us to know, that are essential for us to capture. And as we study those and read those, the faith will build in our life, understanding will build in our life, conviction will come in our life, faith, that's faith as it builds will strengthen us in life. But you've got to become a self-feeder. So we're going to spend a, several weeks this summer really looking at some of the extra things we need to capture to be able to read the Bible. This isn't just about, oh, start here and end here, read so many chapters, do this so many times. No, this is going to go a little deeper dive than that, and we're going to help you begin to pick up some more of the things that will help you read the Bible. Have you ever sat in a, in a sermon, you hear, hear a guy preaching, and you go, oh, I never realized that before. Well, where did they get it? There's, there's a reason they've got We're going to try to help you get those things so you can begin to capture some of them as you feed yourself and read through the Word of God and let the Word of God become more alive to you. So we're going to start that next week. And our plan right now is to spend uh, four to six weeks doing that. And then our plan is to take a book of the Bible and teach through that book of the Bible for about six or eight weeks, applying the things that we've talked about in the first six or seven weeks to help us see how to do this. And how to capture this. So this will help your Bible reading, I believe, we hope, our prayer is, this will help your Bible reading become much more fruitful uh, by the time we get through this. Does that sound good to you? So that's what we're going to do. Amen. So you be praying, you be praying for us as, as you do that. You, you need to read the Bible. You need to be able to interpret the Bible. And uh, you know, one of the things I love about this is it so easy for me to have a Bible, not one Bible, I have about 30 Bibles in here that I can get to at any second that's right with me, all kinds of different versions and different things I can read. One of the things I don't like about this is when we come to church on Sunday, you don't see people carrying Bibles as much because we're carrying this. And um, one of the things, I'll tell you, one of the things I love, uh, and, and I've done this, I'm going to just say this one thing to you. I've, I've, I've read through a Bible physical Bible for each one of my kids uh, with, their, with their life and thought. And even at times I will go back, and they're still on my shelf, none of them have them yet. I go back to my shelf and I pull it off, pull one, one of them off, 
because I'm thinking about something for them, and I'll go find a passage, and I'll write notes in it to them. Uh, that someday, if the Lord tarries, and, and I go to heaven, and they don't yet, they can get that. Now, I'll tell you, one of the greatest things I have as a pastor who uh, does funerals, when you get a Bible in your hand that's full of notes to the family, wow, does that bring comfort to that family. It is a treasure cove. And so I want you to think about that. I love what Stan does, reading the Bible and giving it to somebody every year. That's a great thing. Uh, find something like that that you can do that will make They'll, they'll even help your Bible and not only be rich for you, but rich for somebody else. And as you, as you take that, if you think about your kids or people you love and, and taking a Bible and writing notes to them in it, writing things to them in it, you know what? At the right time, God will bring that alive to them. And so I, we just want you to learn to, to study the Word. So that's what we're going to talk about over the next uh, couple of weeks. Tonight, though, I want to briefly touch on... Uh, uh, three fundamentals of faith, 14, 15, and 16. Now, we've, we've taken almost the whole first half of this year to go over uh, the first 13. And now I'm going to take one night and go over, th- go over three. So we'll be done by about midnight. <laughs> uh, actually, these three are, you know, really after the rapture, after the tribulation events, and there's just some things about them we need to know and we need to understand. Uh, but they're not really <coughs> uh, things you need to argue about. So let's, let's begin. If you, have your, if you have a Bible, open it up to Revelation 19. But let's all stand and read the Word together just to uh, honor the Word of God tonight. John writes in, in, uh, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, Then I saw heaven opened, And behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. Now, we all know who that is, right? And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come gather for the great supper of God, to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who in, in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped Im- its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the white horse, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh." 
Father, this is a, a graphic passage to us of your judgment. Lord, we need to be reminded today that you are a judge and we ask for your mercy. We are so grateful for the grace of your son for none of us stand here worthy to stand before you except by him. I stand not here on any of my merit. I stand here simply and wholly by my faith in your son and ask for your mercy to always be applied to my life and to others in this room. Help us to understand these things and to walk in truth in them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Say hello to a few people around you, and then you can be seated tonight. We've talked about the end times when Jesus comes just, as I believe, just before the tribulation and believers are caught up to be with God in heaven. Uh, As I've said over the last couple of weeks, I believe this world will excuse it away. They will have some excuse for it. And they they won't see it at first, but as time unfolds over the next several years, there will be people who will get it. There'll be kids who grew up in church who were rebellious, who will wake up and get it. They'll realize mom and dad and all their friends are gone and the things I've heard about growing up in church are beginning to happen. There'll be preachers who compromised the word of God, didn't stand by faith, uh, became humanistic in their teaching, who will, some, who will get it. There'll be others who will get it. The two, two great prophets will be upon the earth and they'll be proclaiming there'll be people who get it. Uh, but their, their way into heaven is a costly, costly way. And so that is the, the catching away of the church, the rapture of the church as we talked last week, then the tribulation. And at the end of the tribulation, we have the time that is the, uh, the, time, the revelation of Christ. And so when you're reading the Bible, this is one of the things you need to be aware of. What am I reading? Am, am I reading about the revelation of Christ or am I reading about the rapture of the church? Because it'll get confusing to you at times if you're, if you're not aware of which is which. At the revelation of, the, of Christ, when he comes back, uh, the world's not going to, with open arms, receive him. Uh, the Antichrist, the beast, and the prophet are going to raise up armies uh, in, in the false hope that they can defeat the Creator. And they probably know they can't, but they'll deceive people. And people will think they can. And they will be deceived by the power of His coming. Uh, they'll be defeated by the power of His coming. And this will mark the end of the time that man is in charge, and Jesus will literally set up rule on the earth. A great battle and Jesus sets up rule. In Revelation chapter 20 it says, then I saw an angel coming down from heaven holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain and he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil 
and Satan and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Fundamental belief number 14 is the millennial reign. This is this thousand-year period when Jesus will reign on the earth for a thousand years. And the saints, listen, believers, will rule with Christ on this earth. We'll be judges. We will, uh, I, I believe, we'll, we'll have places of, of rule. We see this in, in some of the, the parables of Christ. And during that time, uh, there will be life. There will be death. There will be judgment. Uh, there will be an extended time of living. I believe the Bible says that if somebody lives less than 100 years, they'll be considered you know, like they were cursed. Uh, something was wrong with them. But people will, will live and die during this time, this thousand-year period, uh, all headed up to the final judgment. And Jesus will rule over the earth and, and put things in proper order on this earth. At the end of this rule, this thousand-year period, the enemy will be set free for a time. The time is not defined for us. This will be the final division of men. He will come back in deception, as he always does. As a liar, he will come back upon men. And people who've lived during that time who are still alive will once again face the lies and the temptation of the enemy, and they will either be, remain as followers of Christ or they will be deceived. And at the end of that period, whatever period of time that God lets the enemy out and lets him run his game, at the end of that time we come to what we call fundamental belief number 15, which is the final judgment. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 7, and it says, and when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison. He doesn't escape. He's released. And will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their numbers like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints the, and the beloved city, that's Jerusalem, but fire came down from heaven and consumed them, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So the final judgment takes place at this time when the enemy is finally once and for all, and the division of men is clear. And one of the things that will happen at this point in time is what we call the great white throne judgment where the people who are followers of Christ are recognized for who they are and those who are not are recognized for who they are. And it's the final separation. Some believe that the judgment seat of Christ will happen here as well. We've talked about that. That I have a tendency to believe it happens before the millennial reign, and the reason I believe that is, is, is because... The, what happens during the, during the millennial reign. 
during the millennial reign, we will rule with him. We will, we will be given authority. And so at some point in time, God's going to recognize who should do what. Remember the parable where he talks about, you know, one will be given, you know, this talent, five talents, four talents, and he comes back to give him five cities, give him ten cities, give him, the, there'll, there'll be some ruler of things that come over at that point in time. Now, could I be wrong? I could be dead wrong. I don't argue with people about that. When I, di- when I find myself in discussion with people about different nuances of the word, uh, the first question I ask myself is, so what? The judgment seat happens before the millennial reign or after the millennial reign. How does that change my life on this earth? Doesn't change it at all. How does that change how I go to heaven? Doesn't change it at all. Doesn't change anything. There's a lot of things that Christians let divide themselves over that at the end of the day, you just got to say, what's the big deal? But some people want to make big deals out of stuff because they want to exercise authority and power over others and show how smart they are. And, and a lot of it just doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it just isn't that big. Now, there are things that do matter. How is a person saved? That matters. That, these are places where we can't compromise. If I'm talking to someone, they say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a believer and I'm, I'm a Christian, but I believe there's many ways to heaven. My first response, it has to be, I, I don't believe that at all. Eventually it has to get down to, uh, you can't be a Christian and believe that because you're denying the power of Christ. It, we can't compromise on that issue. The word of God is God's revealed word. And somebody wants to sit and say, well, you know, the Word of God is good. You've got to pick and choose, you know, how you go through this in ancient doctrine. No, no, no. This is God's revealed Word. There are things that cannot be compromised. There are other things uh, that just really, I mean, at the end of the day, we know they're going to happen, but we don't have to fuss and fight over them. God will reveal them in His time when He wants to. And in the meantime, we just know they're going to happen, and we're going to prepare for them and, and, look at, and look at them and be aware. So the enemy will be put down again and locked away for eternity, and all of mankind is going to be judged. And eternity is going to be determined. And the end of the ability of the enemy to tempt us, to try us, to test us is going to come. And so now we come to fundamental belief number 16, which is there'll be a new heaven, new heavens, and a new earth. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne of God saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Do you enjoy God's presence in a time of worship? I mean, and we're just getting a, we're just getting a deposit, friends. We're just getting a touch. We're just getting a little bit of what's going to be like when God's presence and when we can fully enjoy him 
and we can fully relate to him. His presence is here today fully, but we're going to be able to fully walk in that revelation. Uh, He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. So I want you to look at a couple things here because they're really essential. I've heard people say, I've heard preachers preach, oh, they're in heaven, and they're in heaven now, and every tear tear, tear's been wiped away. No, it hasn't. Every tear's not been wiped away yet. The tribulation's going to happen. The millennial reign's going to happen. The final judgment's going to happen. And then as God established the new heavens and the new earth, then every tear's wiped away. What that implies to me is this. I don't know what all that meant. What it implies to me is all the things that break our hearts about this earth. All the wounds we've had, all the lost loved ones that didn't make it. Uh, we'll, we'll probably lose sight of all of those things. I mean, I mean, Think about it. You're going to be in heaven and you're thinking about a lost friend or a lost loved one, a child, a mom, a dad. I mean, that'd be real sorrow at times, wouldn't it? But he's going to wipe away every tear. So that that doesn't say that clearly other than every tear is going to get wiped away. All the things that cause us sorrow and pain are going to be wiped away in, in a moment. And there's a new heavens and a new earth and a new order of things. So, we think about loved ones in heaven today who are part of the great cloud of witnesses. And they look at the events going on down here. And I believe that when we do something that's right, here's just my guess. When we do something that's right, it is a grandstand cheering. And when we fumble the ball, it's a grandstand mourning. And there's people there, I believe my dad and the people who came, they're really interested in what's going on at Calvary Church right now. They're interested in what we're doing. And when we do something right and we do something good, they're going, go! And when we get into something petty or something we shouldn't be into, they're going, didn't we teach them better than that? Didn't we lay a better foundation? What is wrong? Didn't we do a better job than that? And they're praying and crying out and hoping for good things for us. Now listen, death shall be no more. This is the end of death at the end of the millennial reign. No more death, no more dying, no more separation uh, like that. No more separation for a time, no more separation for eternity. No more mourning. You know, we're going to be healthy emotionally, spiritually, healthy in every way. No more mourning, no more sorrow over things. Life is now, we're going to now be rightly reconnected to the creator 
our spirit rightly reconnected with him, led by him, healthy in thinking, healthy in action. And not only will you be healthy, but everybody else will be healthy so we won't be causing each other trouble anymore. Amen? Because sometimes we cause each other to mourn. We cause each other sorrow because we're not being fully led by the Spirit. And sometimes we get sorrow and mourning because somebody else isn't fully led by the Spirit. But at that point in time, we're rightly reconnected with God the way we're supposed to be connected with Him. Our spirits were meant to be led by the Spirit of God. So we have the flesh and the flesh has influence on it. We have the soul and emotions that have influence on them. And some people on this earth give into their flesh and their flesh leads them. Addicts get led by the flesh, controlled by the flesh. Flesh leads them. Manipulators. Then you got people who get led by their emotions. And they're, they're up and down, they're sorrowful, they're, there's not a stability in their life, they get out of, things get out of control, they need comforting so much of the time, they need encouraging, or maybe they're just you know, emotionally manipulative with other people, and, and it kind of controls their action and their life. Because the spirit is dead. Why is the spirit dead? Death means separation. The spirit that was supposed to be in connection with God is separated from God. When we get saved, we are born again and our spirit gets reconnected with God. And now the spirit of God begins to work through us and we've got to cooperate with that to overcome the flesh, to overcome the other things that would rule our life and to let Jesus rule our life. To let Jesus reign in us. And when that happens, we get healthier. We cause less pain for others. You don't ever end it completely because people who, who aren't connected will do things that we can't agree with. And they'll be hurt and mad because we don't agree with it. But just re- remember this. Love is not agreement. Love is what's right. Love speaks the truth. Love doesn't give in uh, to sin. Love resists what's evil. And we have to speak that sometimes, and people don't like it. But we do that because the Spirit of God's in us and because we love people, because we care about them. I've been in several debates with people on the issue of, you know, homosexuality or something, and, 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 and I'll always come back around to this statement with them. Look, I understand your point of view. Now, do you understand mine? I believe with all of my heart that we're going to stand before God in judgment someday. And I believe that a sign that we have been born again is that moral clarity comes into our life. I, I believe that's one of the signs. And that sign frees us. So, the adulterer stops being an adulterer. The promiscuous person stops being promiscuous. The person caught in homosexuality gets a new spirit. Now, 
I believe that so much that I, and I believe that the person who doesn't do that is going to spend eternity in hell. How can I be a loving person and not say that? How can I, how can I care for people and not say that? Oh, you're, you're, you're a bigot or you're, you know, judgmental. No, I'm trying to, I believe to not say something condemns them to an eternity in hell. So I've got to say something. I've got to let the Holy Spirit do his work through us. Because we get changed by the power of God. This is what happens when we're in heaven. That's going to be pure. After, after the, when the new heavens, the, new, the old things are passed away and all things become new. All the old stuff that influenced, all the old things that messed us up, all the things on this earth that cause us the trouble and the pain and the suffering that we have passed away, all things become new. That is good news, folks. That's good news. All our bad habits, all our bad actions, all our weaknesses of our flesh, all the junk about our lives, pass away, all things become new. We see clearly, we understand clearly, we walk clearly. Crying is done. All tears are gone. Pain is gone. Now, some of us have already received new bodies that death has no rule over. But all pain, all emotional pain is gone. All mental pain. At that moment for every person, it's gone forever. That's a, that's, that's, heaven's going to be great. I mean, we just can't even imagine a life without any worries, any concerns, any fears, except just living to please God. And that's not even a worry because we're rightly connected with him. We're just walking the freedom. So all that pain is gone. Former things have passed away. So this is what we're working for. This is what we live for. This is what we dream of. Is that this life is the temporary. This is not, I don't care how good it is for you on this earth. This is not nearly as good as it gets. And I don't care how bad it is for you on this earth. Well, we do care, but no matter how bad it is on this earth, just remember, this is temporary. Some of the great, great songs about heaven, you know where they came from? They came out of the, 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 the slaves when they would gather together and begin to sing because here these people are in bondage with little hope, no hope in many cases, of freedom, and they looked away from this earth, many of them, and looked to heaven. Just as we live on this earth under the, uh, under the attack of the enemy and the problems of this earth, we've got to look towards heaven. A day is coming when all of this is done. All of this is done, and we're in the presence of God, and the old things have passed away, and all things become new. We think better. We think clearer. We're not influenced by sin. All of that stuff is swept away. Does that get anybody excited but me? Amen. Amen. So as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, we want to live with that end in mind. We want to live with God doing that work and us getting as healthy as we can. We want to live working with that end in mind, praying with that end in mind, witnessing 
with that end in mind. So, so let, me, let me just challenge you. Think about this. Every living person you see, every one of them, are going to someday stand before God. They're going to finally be judged and there'll be eternity in heaven or in hell. Do they deserve a clear presentation of the gospel? Do we believe it? You say, oh, no, everybody's bad. Nobody deserves, nobody deserves that. But we know God in his love sent his son to pay the price for us because it's God's will that all men be saved. And I believe when I look at Springfield, Illinois, when I look at Central Illinois, I believe, I sit here and I look at all these people and I think, you know what? There are people not going to church at all. There are people going to denominal churches that just tell them, if you, if you show up at church and do, you're a pretty good person, you're okay. There's people, there's all kinds of false doctrines that get taught, all kinds of things that are happening that are deceiving people because the enemy wants to destroy people. Those of us who are children of God, who know the truth, who know there's only one way to heaven, know there's only one way to heaven, don't we have an obligation when Jesus left us here and said, go ye into all the world and make disciples. Isn't that the clarion call of Christ to those who follow him? Go into the world and teach others, talk to others, share with others, so they become transformed and become disciples of Christ as well. And friend, none of us can escape that responsibility. We all have that responsibility. To walk by and, and to see somebody who's injured or in a fire, and us say, well, it's not my problem, it's the fire department's problem. No, we, we're humans. We, we, have a, we have a responsibility to help each other, to walk by the poor person and not to say, how are we doing, what are we doing to help them? How am I involved in helping them? Don't we have a responsibility? And when it comes to people's eternal souls, so, the best way we can help people's eternal souls, let me tell you, it starts by getting your doctrine and your life right. Getting solid in what you're doing. It moves to us serving people in the love of Christ. Serving them, building relationship with them. It moves to us coming to this point where we can sit with people and say, let me tell you what I believe. I believe we make this way too hard. I think people, oh, I've got to know the, these five spiritual laws. I've got to know six, six spiritual laws, seven spiritual laws. I've got to know these 22 passages of Scripture. I've got to know this. I've got to, no, you don't. You don't have to. I mean, to, to be a witness, you know what you have to have? What has Christ done for you? What is your hope in him? This, what, if, what if they ask something I don't know? Just look at him and say, I don't know. Well, let's go find our pastor or find my small group leader or find somebody and we'll get an answer for you. It's really simple. We need to take all the pressure off, and we need to understand that most people, listen, most people don't get saved in an instant. And we're clear about that. We all get saved in an instant, but that instant usually isn't the first time somebody witnesses to us. There's usually a course of time. Somebody plants, somebody waters, Somebody gets to harvest. So you never lose 
when you witness in the spirit and the power of God, you're planting, you're watering, and thank God every now and then we get to harvest. When the, when the spirit of God makes it alive in a person's heart, they get it, they see it, and they cross the line of faith, they receive Christ into their life, and we got to be a part of it. But we can't be a part of it unless we speak. The call of the believer is to speak. So you sit here today and you say, I'm afraid to do that. I'm scared of that. You've got to pray your way through that. You've got to ask God to give you new boldness. We've got to ask God to touch us and help us. And so let me say this one more time. And I'll say it many, many times in the future. You need to have a hit list. You need to have, you, you, I would just challenge you. Sit down sometime. Write down everybody's name that you know. Everybody, just sit there and think, oh, Cousin Billy, you know, niece Sally, uh, the worker next to me in the office, the guy who parks to, next to me, the guy that I see every day at the groceries. You know, just write everybody's name down. Then you go down through that list, and here's what you do. You go down through that list, and you go, uh, I sing with, oh, they're, I know they're saved. I've heard their testimony. They're saved. You cross them off. They're saved. You know they're saved. You've heard their testimony. You've heard what they've said. And now you've got a list of people. You don't know whether they're saved or not. Some of them may be. They may just be as scared as you are. They may be looking at you thinking, I wonder if they're saved. They don't know. I've, had, I've heard that many, many times. People say, yeah, I was talking to my coworker. I finally witnessed him. They say, oh, you're a Christian too. But we've been sitting next to each other for 10 years, scared to death to talk about God, and they're both saved. But at some point in time, you've got to look and say, these people I don't know, and God's put me in their life. See, I believe, when I look at the multitudes of people, I believe God has strategically placed people in every person's life for us to be a witness to them and to share faith with them. And so, you see, I just tell you, take the pressure off and just say, hey, it's real simple. Can I share with you the most important thing in my life? Can we take just 15 minutes? Can I share with you? Don't expect you to do anything about it except listen to me. And at the end of it, if you want to ask me some questions, you can. If two weeks from now, you want to ask me questions, you can. Love for you to come to church with me. But make it very, very clear. You are an eternal soul. I'm an eternal soul. We're all going to stand before God someday. And there's not many ways there. There's only one way there. This is what Christianity believes. Well, what about the Muslims? Listen, I, we, we're praying for them. Listen, Muslims are getting saved, and, and we're, just, we're, we're hearing tremendous, tremendous stories. Uh, just, just this last week, one, one of our national leaders shared with a few of us uh, some stories that he told us we can't tell of just some amazing moves of God happening in parts of the Muslim world today that nobody knows about, but the Christians are looking at it. It's happening at such a level that they're saying, boy, if the Lord tarries in the next 10 or 15 years, 
it's going to have to come out. There's just too many of them. God's, God's doing a work. God moves in sincere people's hearts and brings revelation to them. And we're hearing these amazing stories out of, out of Muslim countries where Christ is showing up in, in people's lives through dreams and visions and telling them, what you're looking for is me. And people are coming to Christ. Now, we need to keep praying for that. Amen? But our job is to go. So I want to just challenge you. I want to challenge you. Look around you. My prayer is that the burden for the lost will be on your heart and that we'll follow Christ and tell him what we believe. Amen? All right, let's stand together and let's close this service tonight. Father, I thank you for this congregation. I want them to have life to the full, and I know part of walking in the fullness of life is, is having our doctrine right, knowing what we believe and why we believe it, and, and seeing your love for all men, your love for all men. Lord, that's so amazing. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to just be filled with the power of your Holy Spirit. And we know that the, that the purpose of that... that was that we would be your witnesses. So, Lord, when we would stumble in fear, when we would fall back in uncertainty, uh, Father, when, when we would be tempted to choose silence, when we could lovingly choose words of grace, fill us with your power. Fill us with your presence. Let us look at our children and our grandchildren, our friends and our neighbors. And let us think about this time when the final judgment will come. Let us remember this time when there will be a new heavens and a new earth. And let us, Father, be used of you to prepare them for that day. We thank you for your saving grace. Pray you'd be upon us and pray you'd use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I love you tonight. Go in the name of the Lord.